Hello and welcome to another episode of Back of the Grid, where we are here to preview. No, not preview. I've already messed it up. We <laughs> wow. are here to review, review the Austrian Grand Prix. Um, it's understandable, Tom. Understandable. I mean, <laughs> it's the first week that. in ages we've not had a preview, and I've still said preview. Yeah, so, it's just a habit. It is. It's just a habit. I will um, divulge our names. <laughs> that you heard there was Stu. Say hello, Stu. Hello, Stu. <laughs> I mean, hello. <laughs> and then silently smirking to himself is Chris. Hello. I think if, if F1 have their way, every week will be a preview within the next <laughs> few years. Oh my yeah. yeah. It's a preview of the preview. So a revisit to Austria that threw up a different race again. Like we kind of got this last year because of the weather, but this year we got it like legit. I guess really because of tire compounds. I guess, but even then, most people one stopped, which I didn't expect. Yeah, less people one stopped, but still, that was seems like the strategy most people seem to aim for. Yeah, I I mean, for for those more casual uh, amongst the listeners, essentially, the although you still see the tires as soft, medium, and hard on a race weekend, the red, yellow, and white. They were all a step softer than the previous weekend when it was the Styrian Grand Prix. Um, I can't. I can never remember the C compound names from. Is it C three, four, and five we used this weekend? It, yes, was yes. Um, so they they were all a step softer than what we used for the Styrian GP. Um, but yeah, I mean, to be fair, most people didn't really use the softs, did they, this weekend? Which is. I guess that that's what's interesting to me, I guess, because we've got a really different race, but most people were using the medium and hard, which was the soft and medium of Styria. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. There's a lot of lot of uh, words repeatedly flying around here. <laughs> yeah. Medium, hard, and soft. Like tire. <laughs> all of those who started the race on the soft tire because they qualified on it all got off that tire within like I think anyone did more than about 14 laps on the softs and they all ended up doing a second stop so I think I don't don't think no I don't think anybody did more than a lap on the softs no they did oh no Um, sorry no I'm looking at the wrong way around (laughs) the longest thing was 17 on softs sorry Gasly started on on the softs and he went to about lap uh, 13 uh, Gasly went to 10, 12, 13 yeah. yeah and then the longest was Vettel 17 and he went a bit further than that yeah yeah so but yeah there were only four cars started on the on the softs at all because yeah. it was just not a good race tyre no I had I had a weird scenario when I was looking through the tyre stuff actually that it, it looked like Giovinazzi had mistakenly used only one compound <laughs> but it's because he didn't officially do a full lap on his mediums that he started on so in the data i was looking at for his lap times all his lap times are on hard because he never <laughs> officially oh, completed course, a lap yeah, on the medium the line on the medium no yeah, yeah. so he went That's in and changed fun, it so i was like hang quirk. on a minute why is Giovinazzi not had a penalty then i went back and like re-watched everything i was like ah that makes more sense now <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm still watching the highlights, but <laughs> <laughs> you enjoy. Um, I mean, were we surprised about Verstappen? Oh, I, I feel like this was more dominant than last weekend. Do it, you not? It wasn't. It wasn't like it on paper. It was. It's it's the first time he's got a Grand Slam in his career, which is pole, win, fastest lap, and he led every single lap. 
I I do think the Mercedes were probably a little bit closer on race pace. It's definitely, just that definitely, definitely. they qualified behind Norris and couldn't get past him, which kind can, of absolutely. ruined things for them. And then obviously, can Hamilton I throw an interesting point out to kind of contradict that though? Go for it. So, race pace on average, looking at lap statistics, Max was obviously fastest with like doing one minute eights. Mm-hmm. Um, then there were a few cars on like one minute nines behind him, and and like the the three that were closest together were Norris, Bottas, and Hamilton, mm-hmm. all on low one minute nines. You have to remember the fastest lap of the race that Max Verstappen did was a one minute six, <laughs> two seconds faster. And it it almost looks like an anomaly because his lap times are bunched together in like one high one sevens to like one nine, and then he's got this one minute six and a half, not even a half, wow, like yeah, point two, I think, and it's a real anomaly. And to me, that is just that was him just like setting it, showing the true pace of the car, then just settling back down to save. Component yeah, wear, essentially, it's it's a lap without any tire management or any yeah yeah anything any, any form of management. It's just absolute pedal to the metal. I've never seen on these. The I don't know if you look at the same website I am, but on these like lap time graphs, I've never seen a spike for fastest lap yeah. that much different to everything else. Though that's and, crazy, and that's that's what I'm sort of getting at. That like I think that that was that comfortable that mm. they had pace in hand that they just weren't using. Um, from a component wear point of view, I think I, I just I just think it's t- it's tight because all the tires are such a step softer. Obviously, everyone's eking out to try and get a one stop. Most most cars are trying to eke out for a yeah. one stop, and actually, like when you look at the chart, like probably half the cars managed a one stop. So the average lap time is is going to be a lot lower because everyone's doing such tire management. <laughs> that yeah yeah you know it's gonna they're not gonna be extracting the the maximum performance of that car and then when the fastest car clearly the fastest car on the whole grid at the moment i'm mean, i not taking away from it like it's, it's still a huge achievement it's a, it's a really interesting statistic but it I, and you're right it does show you how much quicker that car is but yeah. at the same time don't take it as though that car is that much quicker than everything else. Because I'd, everything no, else I'd, is I wouldn't say it literally is. management scale there. So. I'd, yeah. I'd agree with that. I think what's, I, I think what it highlights to me is that they were A, just capable of, of finding that pace at that time when they wanted it, but also like how, I mean, the weekend before we saw Lewis stick on fresh tyres to go take that point away from Red Bull. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it was possible. Yeah. Obviously, Lewis's car was like it. It, it wasn't feasible, I guess, uh, um, in the race with the, like the position of the car. The, the difference last weekend was that they had enough track position in terms of gap to fall back into the same position and not like lose anything. So there was a difference there. But I mean, Verstappen did that time with like something like fifteen laps to go. I think like it was it. It was like at least 10 laps left, I think, at the time that he did it. So it's not like there wasn't time for other people to just eke out performance in a in a gap. It was like nobody else was... In, I guess nobody else had the opportunity 
but also yeah, nobody else was not. interested enough to to give it a go because they just weren't entertaining yeah. that, yeah, that yeah, switching like, pace. The thing as well, like he <clears> remember <throat> he just pitted. He pit, he just pitted for fresh tires. So like he, no one else, everyone else. Due to the nature of this race, everyone else was in races with other cars. Yes, just yeah. about like low. No one else could afford to take that pit stop and put the fresh tires on and put the lap in. So again, that but that shows you again that shows you what an advantage Red Bull have with Verstappen in that car at the moment because he's managed to get so far ahead of everyone. Yeah, he's able to pull that gap. Pull the gap, take the pit stop, do the fastest lap. Child's play, easy peasy. He made it look like. The easiest thing in the world to win a Formula One race this weekend. Yeah, I do think if Mercedes hadn't got themselves stuck behind Norris, I reckon they'd probably have. Yeah, I mean, again, we took Hamilton got some damage, which like kind of screwed that. But in an ideal world for them, they'd probably have sent Hamilton up the road full pace to catch him up a bit, and then get Hamilton on a two stop while Bottas nurse to a one stop to maybe try and give Red Bull a bit of a strategy headache, particularly with Perez out of the picture, but. Even then, I don't think that would have been enough to really trouble him. Um, I mean, the gap yeah. was 18 seconds in the end, despite that second pit stop. Like, that's... It's just crazy. That's, just, that's but then, big. again, it's, it's getting stuck behind other cars and stuff. There's a lot of factors at play, isn't there? Like, yeah. Not to take it away, like, it's it's dominant, absolutely dominant. Two races in a row, completely and utterly dominant. Um, the competition's just not where it needs to be is it yeah no, that's the problem i wonder if and we'll it's been see... the same for a number of years yeah i, I wonder if we'll see guys. this level of dominance again for the rest of the season like we might look back and see this is the peak and that it's this has been a perfect storm of car and track and circumstance and that maybe it won't quite be this big a gap going forward i mean for the sake of the championship i hope that's the case but yeah me too yeah i, I mean it I sort of I've agreed with Stu for the most part this season with the whole Silverstone thing. It'd be interesting to see where things shake out in two weeks' time in terms of everyone's pace there. Just because it's I mean, it's traditionally not a good track for Red Bull other than the years that they've been like dominant overall. Um the Vettel Championship yeah, the Vettel years, basically. Yeah. Although also the Vettel years. And I, I will I'll always be annoyed by this. Also two thousand and nine, because I went to the British Grand Prix in two thousand and nine, <laughs> having just watched Jensen Jensen Button just like destroy the field. I mean my brother are like, Oh my god, we're gonna see a British driver win the British Grand Prix, it's gonna be amazing. Didn't even get on the podium. Vettel <laughs> just cruised up and won it. Yeah. I mean, it is starting to sound like Mercedes are going back on their whole we're not doing any upgrades this year. Um, they are bringing something to Silverstone. Yeah, that's a on to the be back alive. of this double weekend of disappointment. Kel surprise, eh? Mm. Who'd have thought like it? Oh yeah, you know, when we were saying last week we've got no. Yeah, yeah, we've got upgrades coming. We yeah. we always have. Um. Yeah, I mean, but as you kind of said, like it, it wasn't held by the fact that McLaren were able to outqualify them and race them just on pace like there was no yeah, shenanigans yeah. going on there that was just purely on pace yeah um which i think is probably a combination of mercedes problems and mclaren just getting better and better um yeah well mclaren brought upgrades yeah, yeah. that's one thing mclaren yeah. brought a raft and, a whole bunch of upgrades and from um, what we've seen over the last couple of years norris is becoming a bit of a, a spielberg magic. specialist isn't he 
Oh, right. he, yeah, he does like he, he, he does. He does seem to really like this circuit. Yeah, he really does. Um, I mean, obviously he had the penalty, which we'll get to later on. I think without that penalty, it probably still would have been Mercedes two and three. Um, I mean that that damage was they reckon was costing Hamilton about half a second a lap. Um, I don't know. Maybe Norris would still have got ahead of Hamilton actually because he finished quite a chunk ahead in the end, didn't he? Yeah, I mean, it, it it depends on if you're factoring in Lewis's damage or not, because I think if if I'm right in saying the gap means that without the penalty on paper, um, actually, yeah, he was still way ahead. No, yeah, Norris would have been Norris would have been ahead of Bottas, wouldn't he? Finished close enough to him. Yeah, yeah. finished within penalty, five he seconds. He would have yeah. easily caught him. So, and I mean, out of the two, like to to watch Lewis sit behind Norris for as long as he did, and then like very publicly pass on the compliment of he's a heck of a driver or I can't remember what it was word for word but to have that I mean yeah Bottas fans you're going to hate me but I don't think Bottas would have gotten past him given that same situation because it's not very often we see Lewis stuck behind someone for that length of time other than maybe when he's been like say fighting Max this season and he's he's taken him a number of laps to to make that opportunity I mean, and that, that's one of the only other times I've really seen that with Lewis. After, but you see it all the time with Valtteri. Yeah, and after a number of years of McLaren having a very draggy car, they now seem to have a car that's actually really slippery in a straight line. And Mercedes just yeah. didn't have the top speed to, to get past yeah. them. Draggy, but also they've not had the best engine for a while. And they've got yeah, a very good engine this year. Yeah, that helps yeah. as well. But then that's crazy they've got the same engine in the back as the mercedes chasing them and yet they're beating them on in a straight line well that yeah. i think that's this virtue of the fact that they've got they've got more efficient aero haven't they obviously yeah if they're if yeah. they're able to have um if they're able to generate as much downforce and generate less drag in the process they've got the same engine they're faster down the straights than them then obviously there's a lot of factors go into how a formula one car is set up but on this particular weekend McLaren got it right. Mercedes got it wrong. Yeah, and and there's there's also McLaren no doubt that this year's regulations have hurt Mercedes and Aston Martin more than anyone else. That's definitely a factor in it. But you know, rules change all the time. It's about how you adapt to them. And obviously, yeah. they've not had as much scope to adapt this year as they would under normal circumstances. But yeah, I would say it's in Mercedes' defense. I will say it is unfortunate that they've not been able to keep the DAS system. I think that car being designed around the DAS and then it's yeah. being taken away has meant that a lot of their issues that they've had with tire warm up and things like that have, have really that's really made them struggle this yeah. year. They don't have the tools that they need to get the tires into the window with that particular chassis, and I think that's probably why one of the reasons why McLaren would have been quicker than them and a bit better than them this weekend as well, well because that chassis doesn't need DAS to get the tires up to temperature it's designed to it without it so yeah because like at the at the pit stops like it was really interesting about like you know with with Bottas behind um Norris at that point like is, are they going to try and undercut and McLaren going to try and like get in ahead of them and stuff and it was like oh never mind five second penalty all Bottas has to do is follow him into the pits and he's guaranteed to come out in front of him which was yeah. a shame but so we we're kind of robbed of seeing you know what the in and out laps for those two teams are like yeah. in direct comparison but um nothing's guaranteed though 
I mean, Nothing's Monaco, Bottas, pit stop, you know. Yeah. yeah. To machine a, a wheel nut. Like, anything can happen. Anything can happen. It's, ne- <laughs> s- it's never, ever a done deal, which is why it's always worth watching to the end. Yeah, exactly. Like, when um, Verstappen came in for his late pit stop, like, in the Discord chat, people were like, oh, you know, you know, sooner or yeah. later, someone's going to have mm. a problem going for the fastest lap. Like, oh, no, it's a 1.9 seconds. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> Um, they did say actually the the main reason they did that pit stop was to just avoid another Baku, um, and they actually did say they found a small cut in the set of tires that came yeah. off Verstappen's car, yeah. which is interesting. Was was that after that second stop, or was that yeah. on his first set? No, that was his his second yeah. stop. Yeah, I, I was trying to picture like remember in my head where the the comment came about the. Mm. Damage to the left. Yeah, right? it looked like they were just going for a fastest lap, but yeah, they said it was more of a, a cautious thing. Which you know, if you've got enough time to do it, yeah, yeah, it's worth you the know risk. what it says something when 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 they trust the tires so little that they're like we we will risk a pit stop, yeah, and fit all the things that can go wrong in a pit stop. We will risk that just to make sure this tire these tires don't fail. Yeah. I guess it all bad, man. Yeah, that's not a good advert for Pirelli. It's not. It does also say how much they trust their pit crew as well, though. Yeah. Because they are undoubtedly the best in the biz. They really are. But for how long? Yeah. uh, Once they say all the the pit, what what we're going to call them, um, pit stop aids, I suppose you could call them. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of a driver aid, isn't it? It's like like traction control for pit stops. (laughs) We've still not had like a defined list of exactly what's happening, though, have we? No, I don't think think we're going to get one. It's not coming until Hungary, so we've got it, a little while left. Yes, it'll be like the directive from the other season with Ferrari engines. It'll just mm. go under the yeah, radar. We're not going to tell you what we're changing, but we're changing things. Yeah, yeah. And you better comply. <laughs> yeah, or else. <laughs> um, we sort of already talked about him a bunch, but I'd like just another awesome weekend for Norris. Like as we said, yeah. properly there on pace. Um, fourth career podium he's now already beaten his points tally from last season which is insane nice. yeah that's hectic absolutely that's really insane cool. um he's, he's just getting better and better isn't he like when when a seven-time yeah. world champion's taking time out of his race to praise you over the radio <laughs> you're doing something right yeah yeah that really surprised me you know the yeah it was message. weird that. it was um he said he said norris is a great driver is what he said yeah, yeah. um, um I, I know that because i transcribed the radio message for it you also um, had um, Alonso, who is apparently the biggest member of the George Russell fan club. Like, yeah, yeah, he was really yeah. like genuinely upset that he had to take a point off Russell at the end. Yeah, everyone Didn't who stop- does that to Russell is. I remember Vettel being <laughs> being upset that he had to beat yeah. Russell as well. Like, people just seem to love George Russell. Yeah, it didn't stop him doing it though, did it? He? he could have no. just like just left yeah. it, but then still again, did it. <laughs> if you were George Russell, would you want to get a point that way? God, um, absolutely. I mean, you want to win your if, point by winning if it. I were Williams, I'd have taken it. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure Williams would have yeah. mind. I mean, Williams, George yeah. might not have, but Williams would have. <laughs> um, what do you think to the uh, George Russell to Mercedes rumours while we're on the subject of George Russell? Well, according to former BBC F1 presenter Jake Humphrey, it's a done deal in a tweet that he later deleted. <laughs> very quickly deleted. Yeah. He posted it and then deleted yeah. it. Um, I thought the interview with Russell that Sky aired over the weekend was interesting. Like, he was when they were, they were obviously asking him about that. No, and he wasn't going to give them an answer because that's not how it works. But he was very coy about the way he answered, and he was saying like, "Oh, whatever happens, I'm going to have a Mercedes engine behind me last year, and all this sort of <laughs> stuff." Um, 
now now Hamilton's been announced for the the next two years. Yeah. I feel like it's a matter of time before Russell's announced at this point. Mm. I do. Um, they say they're going to wait until after the summer break, or they're going to start out during the, during summer, the break? summer break. During the summer break, so I think. What, yeah. Bel- Belgium, we should expect. Because yeah. a lot of people thought they'd do it at Silverstone, which obviously would have been a, a big place to do it. That would be awesome. They still could. They still, they still could. could. They could be throwing you off. Um, I guess we can talk about Russell. Well, we're already talking about Russell, but yeah, obviously it's his first. It was his first time into Q3 um, in a Williams, um, which turned to eighth place on the grid actually uh, after all the penalties. Um, I mean, yeah, just once again, amazing in qualifying. Like, I don't know about you, but I thought they were going to have a harder time on the softer tires. Um, but if anything, he was even better on the tires there this weekend compared to last. Yeah, I mean, I thought they were going to struggle race pace wise anyway like yes admittedly he's lost positions from the grid but I thought it'd be far worse than it was even after last weekend where he'd, he'd held out quite well until his issues um, yeah because he dropped to 12th on the first lap I think it was wasn't it um, yeah but I mean he was always there or thereabouts for the points yeah like on Finally, pace he got himself guns. back into them um, yeah it's mm. It's just, it's like so close, isn't it? Like, it's just like every week now, it's like, is this the week he gets yeah. points? Yeah. It's tantalizing. It's, I think the, Bese- the obviously the Williams is getting better. It must be getting better. For really to, yeah, or or they're going to circuits that seem to suit that car better. I guess like as we get into the summer months, there's less wind around. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you joke. Oh, that old there's excuse. <laughs> there's going to be an element of that. It's What's more interesting for me, I think, I, it, I think there's an there's there's sort of becoming a visible um sort of driver impact, I guess is the best way I could put it, where you're seeing George like nearly or even make it through to Q three. Like he's he's either come very close or he's actually made it through to Q three. And Latif is like barely getting out of Q one, if at all. In fact, I mean has Latifi been out of Q1 this season no, would be a good question to ask. Mm, maybe once. Or on if he has, has it been on merit? Or I feel was like, it like, I feel like Baku, Spain, Baku when we got a lot of cars through. red flags and stuff and people hitting barriers in, Q, yeah. in quality? Yeah. Like, it be, let's, it, know, there seems to be a gulf to, anyway yeah, is we, what we, I'm we, getting we, at. I don't think we need to dance around Leclerc not being the best driver at Williams. I think that's common knowledge. I mean, Leclerc's Leclerc definitely isn't not the best at Williams. Williams. I mean, not Leclerc. Oh, goodness. Oh, <laughs> dearie me. I mean, well, I'm on record as saying Leclerc's overrated, but... Um, yeah, well, there we go. Any excuse now. Yeah. We've actually, <laughs> got, a, we've actually got a question about Latifi in the inbox, so... Have we? Hold, hold your thoughts on that one. Okay. Um, Ricardo. It was a... Oh, going back there. It was a, it was a decent, like comeback drive I guess from 13th to 7th but then when your teammates qualify in 2nd you shouldn't really be putting yourself in a position to need to make a comeback drive should you have either of you had the opportunity to see any of the telemetry comparing their quality laps by the way their fastest quality laps I haven't What's, what's interesting to see is it would appear that Ricardo is breaking far deeper into corners than Norris is from from like an untrained eye. Anyway, mm-hmm. it would appear, which 
to me would then make me think that he he's maybe struggling more with understeer on the car or something. Like if you actually listen to some of um, Norris's comments about his quality lap when he didn't he did interviews on it, he actually talked about the fact that he was intentionally trying to get the rear to kick to offer him a bit of oversteer mm-hmm. in order to to actually make the corner quicker and compromising basically counter the understeer by forcing oversteer and essentially (laughs) yeah like those last couple of corners he literally said it was an intentional thing because they're pointing out saying oh it looks like you had a snap here and he's like well actually i was doing that to counter the understeer and like use the power of the car to to get out of that situation and i'm wondering if like little things like that are where you know when we heard this comment from science of interesting isn't it to ricardo or or whatever that line was i wonder if those are the kind of little nuances that norris like fully understands and knows where to exploit that or or where to try and take advantage of that yeah ricardo is still finding it yeah in, in that in that mclaren yeah and ricardo's still finding his feet with it and that would sort of work well in terms of a what i've heard norris say he was doing and b what you can kind of gauge with sort of an, an unprofessional look at yeah, the telemetry. A, you can see a cor- correlation there, I think, yeah, what you're saying, and, like, obviously the, the, the qualifying results. Definitely, like, Ricardo seems a lot quicker in a race, and his race pace seems yeah. really... His race pace seems fine. It's his qualifying yeah, it's, and pace it's getting better moment. week on week. And yeah. it is getting better. Um, I say it every week. Daniel Ricardo is not a second slower than Lando yeah. Norris. No. I mean, he's, it clearly isn't. This, he wasn't a second slower anyway, but um, he's not that much slower than him. I think it's just, it is the nuance of, of that car. Yeah. I love that word nuance. I say it all mm-hmm. the time, but my, my girlfriend rips me for saying nuance. <laughs> but it, it, it's the it's the quirks of that car that Lando Norris yeah. has had a couple of seasons of, of learning and understanding and, and the development path of that car to get his head around. Whereas... Obviously, I say, and I say it every week, Ricardo's new in that car and it's obviously quite a temperamental vehicle that, yeah. that sort of needs a little bit more seat time in it in order to get the most out of it. I think I, I, was, start, I was starting to feel like borderline of at what point do we do we stop like using that? Excuse is a harsh word, but stop using that sort of line of thought when discussing Daniel Ricardo. But I think this, this thing that I brought up this weekend of basically what Norris has said about how he drives the car in certain scenarios and then what you can see on this telemetry, it kind of still backs up that uh, yeah, that thought process that he needs to get his head around that. And I think that's why Danny Rick's race pace is probably more on par with Lando Norris's because in the race, lap after lap, Norris isn't going to be doing what he was doing in setting no, his hot lap in quality. And he's literally makes the point of this is just a compromise you have to make to get a quick lap in quality sometimes. And like that that's that would obviously show the quality gap, but then the closeness returning on race pace. Well and, and also th- just the confidence that Norris has in that yeah. car himself. For you to, you know, you, you need to be, especially those speeds, you need to be pretty confident <laughs> in yeah. a Formula One car to deliberately oversteer it from yeah. the corner. And you what what how how fast is that turn ten? At, I don't even want to hazard a guess. Must be like Actually, um, 170 miles an hour, maybe. I saw on Twitter over the weekend um, Chris Harris, the Top Gear presenter, 
said having driven road cars around that circuit, the way F1 cars take those last two corners is just unfathomable. Like, yeah, it, it just should not be physically possible the speed they take those last two corners. Yeah. And yeah. like, it, you can do all this analysis, like the nuances we're talking about in Q2, uh, the difference between Norris and Ricardo was two and a half tenths. And that was the yeah. difference yeah. between second and 13th. Like, and yes, yeah, it's well, a short Again, circuit, that's how but, close it is as well, yeah. isn't it? It's so close this year. Just goes to show, like, the, these, those little details that made the big difference. Yeah. yeah. Um, where are we up to? I mean, the, the other thing before we get on to penalty gate is <laughs> probably <laughs> science. Gate, penalty gate. Yeah, Sainz, really, really good race from Sainz. Um, he did 48 laps on the hard tyres at the start. Yeah, longest of anyone. struggled along 48 laps and then... Um, yeah. But yeah, like I say, struggled. He's, he's had the pace on them to still come out in a decent position. Then he passed, mm. well, he was let past Leclerc and then overtook Ricardo um, for yeah. sixth place in the end, was it? Yes. Uh, yes. He, no, fifth, fifth place. Was, sorry, uh, fifth, fifth, fifth because of the penalty. Sixth on the track. Yeah. Yes, fifth of course. because of science's penalties. Uh, Perez's penalties, <laughs> sorry. Um, he, I stupidly took Norris out of my fantasy team. Oh, and that's a choice. In because, well, the reason I did it was because on race pace, the Ferraris looked, on Friday, race pace, Ferraris looked a yeah. lot quicker than the... Um, than the McLaren, and I knew that I, I was expecting to get points. I knew they wouldn't qualify great, but they would get that he'd get points for overtakes. Yeah, yeah. that's um, a good point. Actually, Norris still got more points in the end, so it was was a bit not only by like I think it was like three points difference in the end, but still like it, it was it was a weird wrong decision. Yeah, it's a weird reversal of fortunes for Ferrari. Actually, like in recent races, we've been used to them qualifying well and then just going backwards, whereas this mm. time they qualified eleventh and twelfth. And then actually both made progress during the race. I, I think from listening to Science after qualifying, I think it was Science that said this after qualifying was it was an intentional thing though, as in mm. they they knew they'd make it through to Q three if they'd put the soft tire on, but they didn't want to use it. They wanted they wanted the strategy that they'd gone for. So for them uh, qualifying like eleventh and twelfth on those tires. That's where they wanted to be strategy-wise uh, to to go for what science ultimately did. So, it, yeah, it's a good I mean, point. It, it's just for me that it sort of just smacks of like we haven't got the we haven't got the faith in that tire if we have to race it basically. So we'd rather. I mean, because we always say eleventh is like a secondary pull to a midfield team isn't it like that's like a prime place to be yeah and i mean you don't want to see teams just throwing away a chance at q3 i, I mean it does that mean we need to look at how the rules work for progressing to q3 entire choice because you see in a top team like ferrari basically throw that opportunity to get into q3 away because they know that they're actually better off starting 11th and 12th with free tire choice i mean i guess it potentially makes for a Bit more of a mixed up grid, um, mm. but there's, there's pluses and negatives I, to I'm each not sure side that of it. Isn't there? Necessarily doing what it was designed to do anymore. No, no, it's that. Well, that I agree with absolutely, definitely. It's not doing what it was meant to do in when it was designed. But you know, make no mistake, Ferrari wanted to get through to Q3. 
Like they were trying. Oh yeah, to get they'd, they'd love to be there. No doubt. About yeah, they that. just they just didn't want to do it on a softer compound of tire. Yeah, basically. exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they they prefer. You're right. They preferred to be on the medium tire. Yeah. Um, because more or less everyone who started that race on the softs went well. Really quick. Most really, people like, went backwards. So. Like Gasly was the highest finisher that started on the softs and he was down like three places on his starting position um yeah and he was the only one in the points i think in a way it turned out sort of beneficial for ferrari because they got by virtue of uh who's was it vettel it was vettel got the penalty in qualifying wasn't it for for impeding alonso mm-hmm. yeah which is really unfortunate as well because that was a whole other thing which we could get into but um so they got promoted up to up a couple of places the ferraris as a result and I think part of what made Science's strategy work so well is that it was on fresh medium tire, sorry, on the fresh hard tire, and starting up in eighth, so was able to sort of mm. run start from a decent position within the top ten and run that tire for a long, long time. And you know, he gained a lot of positions as everyone else pitted and he stayed out. And then, yeah, just obviously a big part of it is him making the tire work for that period of time and, and yeah. being quick on it for as long as he was. But I, w- I don't know if he would have finished quite so high if he'd not been benefiting from the penalty of Vettel. No, quite possibly not. But I've led us, I've led us down a blind alley there. So. <laughs> I mean, you've, you've, uh, led us nicely towards penalties because there's plenty penalties. of them to talk about. There's like, that many penalties. penalties. It's got its own subsection in the document we use for planning the podcast. Suck on that subsection. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, let's just go through them then, one by one, I guess. Um, Norris, five seconds for the Perez incident. Mm. So, uh, original. Uh, I mean, well, originally live, I sort of basically went neutral and said, if Lewis got a five-second penalty for the collision with Albon the previous year, it's probably about right. But then since then, I've been and checked the Hamilton-Albon incident, and it's very clear that Albon is A, a long way in front of Hamilton at the time that he makes Mm -hmm. contact with him, and... there is definitely more opportunity for Hamilton to avoid that situation, basically. Um, And so, yes, as much as we said, I think at the time we probably said it's right for what happened to Hamilton, I will retract what I said at the time, saying if Hamilton got a penalty, Norris should get the same one because it's the same incident because comparing the two, they're not alike. They're They're not not the same same incident. incident. They're not the same incident. What's Um, actually more comparable which I didn't realise until I went back to watch the highlights before we recorded this. Uh, turn one of the same lap, Perez had, had a go at uh, Norris into turn yeah. one around the outside and Norris ran him wide. And if anything, Perez was further alongside then than he was in the instant that had that he got a penalty for. But mm. there's lots of nice tarmac runoff at turn one. So Perez just jumped out onto the tarmac and carried on and no one batted an eyelid. And it's turn yeah. one of the race. So, no, this this was turn one after the safety car restart, so it was exactly the same oh. lap. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And hmm. yeah, I'm, I'm with you, Tom. Like, I was very much, uh, I could see both sides of the argument during the race, but the more I looked at it, the more I think about it, like, 
I just don't think the things if if that's if that's a penalty, then they're saying what Norris should have done was back out of the corner, turn in more to give him more space. And if that's the case, then that means all you've got to do to overtake someone is just throw your car around the outside and they have to get out of your way. Because as soon as Norris yeah. backs out of that, he's given the position away. There's a, there was an interesting point very similar to that that um, I think it was Paul DeResta made on the coverage afterwards, basically saying um, there comes a point where you're essentially saying uh, from a stewarding perspective that if someone gets around the outside of you, you've effectively got to give up the position because the only way for Lando to have given him the room would have been to um, like basically over slow the like slow the car down more than he would have normally needed to to make the corner in order to leave the room that, but why that their saying was required exactly no that, yeah. that that's what we, that's what Paul Dresser saying yeah, and that's yeah, what yeah. we're sort of agreeing with is the fact that there comes a point where basically you are saying that if someone gets around the outside of you you have to compromise your own turn that much that you'd basically just giving them the yeah, position be- because yeah. at the end of the day you go into that corner and you put the right amount of well you put the maximum amount of angle in that that car will take otherwise you're understeering if you steer any further so there's only you go in and and you'll turn as much as the car will let you turn because that's yeah. the whole point, isn't it? You break as late as you can because yeah. that allows you to turn just the right amount to get around mm. the corner the most efficient way. And that usually involves going <laughs> to the very edge of the corner. Yeah. So like, if someone's there trying to get around the outside of you, the onus shouldn't be on you as an individual to slow your car down more and pull your brakes in the middle of a corner. Mm. The onus is on the person overtaking you to be responsible and get around yeah. you safely. Yeah. I, I think as well... And stay on the you, track in the process. Sorry. In, in the last four races we've seen over the last two years at this circuit, we've seen multiple incidents at that corner that all end on the drive on the outside in the gravel. Whether, whether the person that they're trying to overtake gets a penalty or not is redundant at this point. If I'm a driver, and for, for the last four races in two years I've seen that happen, I'm going to think to myself, I ain't going around the outside of somebody at turn yeah. four. No way. Yeah. Like... Yeah, you, at what point does, does does your brain just disengage from that situation of it ends badly here, so I'm not going to... like. <laughs> I'm, the, I don't the, know. The place he put his car was always going to disappear. And, mm. cause it, and it works but it works both ways though, right? Like if you go back to the Hamilton album one that you were discussing, in that situation, Albon was significantly ahead of Hamilton yeah. going into the corner, at yeah, which and, point, and as the defending got driver, the you can't just push the other guy off the road. And the, the no. other the other difference in that scenario that I noticed looking back at it is that Albon is yeah fair enough he's like he's on the rumble strips to get around Hamilton but he's he's still like wheels on the track as well like mm. he's Hamilton had already initially given him racing room that Albon was taking advantage of so like the, the space was there to be had basically for Albon. And I don't know if it was ever there for Perez because he never got far enough no. alongside. Like, no. yes, he went deep into the breaking point because he was on the outside. So there, when you watch Norris's onboard, granted there is a moment where that Red Bull nose kind of juts into shot, but that's just because breaking points are different. Like, it, honestly, at that point, I genuinely thought that what Perez was going to attempt was kind of like a a cutback on him and and sort of go outside to inside and, and sort of take the inside line for the next turn. Yes. With with so how deep happened. he went in on breaking, which 
that's genuinely what I thought he was doing. And he just seemed to sort of try and hang it around the outside. And I think retrospectively, the the cutback was the move that was on, not the drive around the outside. Mm, yeah, totally. Um, and I guess that the, the problem is we've described two situations where in one, the onus is on the overtaking car to avoid the incident. On the other one, it's the car being overtaken. And in between those two, I guess there's a gray area and that's where the problem's always going to be. But mm. I don't think this was in that gray area. I, I think I think Norris had every right to do what he did and Perez was being way too ambitious for me. Yeah, it's like, it's like I said before, like I had my opinion at the time of it live, but that definitely has changed since I've gone back and reviewed what I was comp- trying to compare it to. But 100%. then, do you know what I think is more bizarre, which mm-hmm. I think is what Chris is about to bring us on to anyway? The fact that Perez then got five-second penalties for making the exact same infringement. It's, <laughs> yeah. like, well, it's, like, the- it's like no one told Perez that you get a penalty <laughs> if, if that happens, even though it's just he's just yeah. literally caused someone to get a penalty. He's just been like, on the receiving they, end do, of exactly the same thing. I don't thing. understand yeah. how he then gets two for doing the same thing. Granted, well... One at the same point of the track, and the other one I think was around turn six. Yeah, and that is more bizarre to me. Yeah, That's so so weird that they didn't think, oh, we better because I don't think they even told him that Norris had got a penalty. So then he goes around, carries on driving the same way. Yeah, does exactly Norris the same wants, thing, makes the same mistake, and then costs himself ten seconds. And, and you know, yeah, you know, crazy. to to avoid it sounding like we're bashing Perez here. I don't think Perez deserved a penalty for the Leclerc incident. Um, which turn six, which one? I think he did. Well, <laughs> the, 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 the first one that was identical to the Norris one, no. It, it was a almost identical incident. I feel yeah. exactly the I same mean, about we, it. We can't really say that he deserves a penalty when we've just said Norris exactly, deserves yeah. a penalty and it's, we've said that they're identical. But, <laughs> but the problem is, at that point, the stewards had kind of backed themselves into a corner made where their they had yeah, to give a penalty bed. for it. Yep. Um, yep. What about the other one with Leclerc then? The turn six one. I think that that was a little... It was still touch and go, but I think it was a little bit more penalty worthy. I think it there, there was a little bit more leading up to it and mm, Perez yeah. was well aware of where Leclerc was at that he, point. So He did have a snap of oversteer. If you look at the on, yeah. on the exit, he? he had a snap of oversteer and that was what? Push Leclerc that little I, bit further out. Really, the oh, I, 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 I do. That. I do think that if it wasn't for that, Leclerc probably wouldn't have ended up in the gravel. No, I don't think so either. Um, because, I mean, whether intentional or not, like Perez had left him just about enough room. Yeah, but I mean, he's heading over that way though. It's it's all, it, it comes back to it is always a closing gap, isn't it? Like on that, uh, it's. I don't know. Like, I I do think that the reason that ended up with a second penalty is because they had basically backed themselves into this corner of any of these incidents are going to get a five-second penalty, basically. Do you want to hear what Michael Massey had to say on this? Does it matter? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, in a way, it's not his job. But he said, um, in Sergio's case with Lando, he was wholly alongside Lando and therefore there's an onus to leave a car's width at the edge of the track which I don't agree with. Um, then the same reverse with Perez and Charles at exit of turn four. And then Perez and Charles again at the exit of turn six. The stewards' view is that in all three circumstances, a car's width should have been left to the edge of the track. 
because the two cars were alongside each other. Someone then asked him if the fact that it was gravel and not tarmac made a difference, and he said, obviously, the gravel does have an impact in those places. You would say that looking at it logically. What yeah, does because that even mean? What but, does that but, mean? That basically, they're saying sentence? if there wasn't gravel that slowed the cars down and compromised them, there wouldn't nothing would have happened because mm-hmm. it had just been tarmac runoff and nothing would have been said about it because... Mm-hmm. The, the the car that was well, ultimately they could have impeded left their and would have exactly yeah exactly. exactly as Perez did at turn one on that exact same lap and and at the race start may I add trying to mm. get around Norris like it wasn't the first time Perez had done it he'd done it at yeah. least twice before so like surely then that points towards Perez trying to use more than there is track available to get yeah. around a car that's and not that's not Norris driving him off the track that's Norris exercising his right to take the racing line through the corner. Yeah. And Perez is just, trying to use more track than is available to get around the car. He just didn't have enough car alongside to claim that corner is his. Yeah. And the same was it's the same with Leclerc as well. Leclerc tried to get around where there's no space to get around on the same uh, corner on Perez. I mean, yeah, I, Leclerc seems to have a fetish for doing that in, <laughs> in Austria because he's that. he's also one of the people that's been very heavily involved with these incidents in the past. I will, remember. I will say... I love how Stu's just melted at the Stu. fact that I used the word fetish. <laughs> if, fetish! If Leclerc <laughs> had pulled off that pass, we'd have been applauding that given it moved. We'd, have had, a, we'd have had a I, fetish for it. I think he maybe had a bit more... <laughs> a bit more right to be having a go at that. <clears throat> um, and if not for that little snap of oversteer that Perez had, it probably... That'd probably have been a right side-by-side and he might even have pulled it off, but... yeah. I don't know. Mm. Um, other penalties we had in penalty corner. Uh, Raikkonen got <laughs> 20 seconds added to his race time for causing a collision with Vettel on the final lap. Um, despite the fact that yep. everybody, including Vettel, was like, it's just one of those weird things that happened. Um, yeah, that was a bit over the top. It's just one of those weird things where yeah. we just crash into each other. I don't, sometimes. Honestly, I don't think Raikkonen even knew he was there, did he? I don't think that was he anything looking. malicious. He wasn't looking. He was. He was looking he at. Um, I think he was Russell ahead of them, wasn't it? He was looking. It was, at the exit it, it was, Rus- it was Russell, wasn't it, ahead of him? Yeah, I think. Yeah. Um, Giovinazzi, meanwhile, only got five seconds for overtaking under the safety car, <laughs> which is wow, far more dangerous. Yeah, like significantly more. Since since when has overtaken the safety car been a five second penalty? That's nonsense. There's been some questionable stewarding this weekend. Yes, um, this weekend. We, well, <laughs> we then had after the race, <laughs> Latifi, Mazepin, Perez, Sainz, Gasly, Leclerc, Giovinazzi, and Ricardo were all called to the stewards for not slowing down under yellow flags on the last lap, um, the yellow flags caused by the Vettel and Viking incident. Um, in the end, only Latifi and Mazepin were penalised, who both got 10-second stop goes, which were converted into um, 30 seconds added to their race time because hard to take a stop go on the last lap of the race. <laughs> um, not that I've been given the penalties at that point, but, you know. But, yeah, like, I'm, I'm all for harsh penalties for safety infringements but they got a 10 second stop go which is literally the harshest in race penalty other than a black flag and yet five seconds for overtaken under the safety car for Giovinazzi I I just don't Mm. see how those two things it's so broken isn't it they really need to sort of take a step back and look at how well really how the penalty point systems work which we're about to get into and also and also just how the time penalty systems working because the rules are not being applied in a in a 
in a way that's consistent with the transgression, are they? They're not even consistent no. in the same race, let alone consistent between different races. <clears throat> and the penalty points. So Norris has been given two penalty points um, for the incident with Perez, which takes him up to 10 penalty points. Remembering that 12 mm. gets you a race ban. Um, he does actually four of those go away before the next race. So he's only actually going to be on eight. Yeah. But they it's funny, because we, didn't we discuss this last week? We did, yeah. yeah. He's going to be on eight until something like November. So he's got to be a bit careful. Um, Perez got four penalty points in his license, two for each of the two incidents. Raikkonen got two for the Vettel incident. Latifi and Mazepin got three each for the um, not slowing down for the yellow flags. Uh, Vettel got one for impeding Alonso during qualifying. Giovinazzi got two for overtaking under the safety car. And Sonoda got two for crossing the white line at the pit entry twice. The Sonoda one <clears throat> is pathetic. That's so, so pointless to give penalty points for that. I think that's so stupid. Lots. I mean, it was a stupid mistake to make, but I don't think that's worth literally giving someone points that they might get a race ban. That's absurd. It's mad, isn't it? Like... Um, Giovinazzi overtaken and safety car, fair enough. But then one for Vettel for impeding Alonso during qual. I don't think Vettel impeding Alonso during quality is a penalty point situation. I think that's I, a sporting situation. It's not a dangerous driving situation. It, I suppose. I suppose that can depend though as well, doesn't it? Because you got a car behind you on a flying lap and you're just coasting around the apex of a corner like he was. There, there is an argument of safety because of someone coming around a corner and running into the back here. But yeah, it can be dangerous. Yeah, but the car behind you can see you. He's <laughs> so like, got a choice. He can either go into the back of you or he can not go into the back of you, hasn't he? Like, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, uh, it's only, it is only a single point, and considering that you need 12 incidents like that across a season. To... That's the kind of thinking that's leading them to give pointless mm. points, though, Tom. That's my problem. Yeah, but I, I think that there is, there is an argument for it, though, with that one, because, I mean, at the end of the day, did, didn't... Um, Max get two penalty points for slowing down across the line the, last week. Nope, Max to do his little burnouts. Didn't get anything for that. See, all right, then there's there's a transgressional issue, isn't there? Mazepin because... got nothing for nearly causing a mother of all accidents with his teammate on the last lap in Baku. And see, ridiculous. see, Lando Norris is nearly if... on a race ban. Like, yeah, it's, it's I mean, you've you've got people like uh, Verstappen at the minute speaking out on Norris's behalf saying I think it's stupid that he's so close to a race ban and it, I think he said something along the lines of like don't get me wrong like I, I've been close to one myself so I know what it's like but half of the things he's got points for to me on safety issues and definitely shouldn't be leading to a race ban which I'd, I'd agree with to be honest. We've got a good thing here that um, Paul's put in the chat um, with Lando Norris this quote from Lando Norris saying why should I deserve penalty points for someone going into the gravel? Nothing I've done is dangerous. If you do genuinely overtake, genuinely overtake in a yellow flag and do something that will put people in danger, then I understand penalty points for a driver. But for little things like this, it's stupid in my opinion. It's not what Formula 1 should be. I mean, I'd yeah. agree. Yeah, like overtaking under the safety car, under yellow flags, all that kind of stuff, throw penalty points. That's what they're there yeah. for. Like... That, like I'm just looking down the list of why the drivers have got their current penalty points. Mazepin got nothing for that incident in Baku, but he did get one point for ignoring blue flags in Portugal. Like, I'm sorry, that's but not a, that's not, not what the penalty that, points are for. Yeah, that's for, yeah, yeah. 
That is a bad example of that, you. That's just, that's just, that's just, we've run out of options of ways to punish him, so we'll just punish him this way. It's weird, because isn't it? Because obviously, like, what is it, a drive through I think, if you don't let people go for, if you get shown free blue flags or it's a, Something like that, yeah. It's something <laughs> along those lines. But then, like, you, you, you could argue a drive through for a car that's been lapped is pointless anyway, because they're not going to mm. lose out from it, are they? Yeah, Wesley's just said, I was looking at the rules the other day and didn't see anything about how penalties are applied. If there isn't, they probably should define that. It will keep this <laughs> conversation much shorter. And that's the thing, isn't it? It's, but then we'd have no... nothing to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> like, so Michael Massey was asked about this as well, and he basically said, like, at the end of last year, we discussed this among the FIA and the teams, and the consensus was that the system's fine and we don't need to change it. But no, that doesn't seem no. to be the case anymore because a lot of people seem well, to yeah. think it doesn't Cle- change. Clearly, I'm opinions sorry, changing, isn't that. it? I don't buy that. I know I've, I've, you know, I've seen things. And I can tell I've you. seen things, man. You don't, you don't know. <laughs> you were there. there. <laughs> I've seen things. And this looks a lot to me like someone steamrolling over every, everyone else and just saying, nope, we're doing it this way. And that's that. Mm. This like, is the way we do it. And that's how we're going to do it. This is what's working for us. That seems to be the response to all criticism at the moment as well, doesn't it? Whenever some Mm. criticism is thrown at the way the rules are applied, it's always like, nope, it's fine. Everything's fine. Yeah, No need to discuss it. Um, Yeah, I mean, the drivers that have come closest to a ban in the last couple of years have been Hamilton and Norris. And I'm sorry, but they are (laughs) not, they're not dangerous, dirty drivers. Seven, eight times, seven time wheelchair promoting him to eight world championships seven <laughs> time world champion has come closer to race bars yeah, than most just, other drivers through this system i mean obviously it's broken isn't it just a hypothetical for you do you think any of this has anything to do with like massey being overly defensive because he's new to the role and he feels like people are just making points like this to to either a like Basically, he's seen it from the wrong context. He's seen it as either they're challenging me because they don't think I'm doing it right because I'm not up to it, or they're challenging me to see what they can get away with and 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 see. Like, do you know what I mean? Do you think? Do you think he's yeah, interpreting the the argument iron, the wrong way? Sort of iron fist complex kind of thing. Yeah, going on. I mean, like I, I won't I won't be moved. Therefore, like stop stop challenging my decisions. Yeah. I am the one in charge. Well, I mean, just, it's, it's just not trying in to prison. Is it? He's not, <laughs> not, not going to make himself look tough. Like, he's not you know, maybe very, he feels like he very, does. That's what I'm getting at. They're a fairly reasonable bunch. He's not that new to the role at this point. Like, he's been doing it for two, years. two three years now. Like, mm-hmm. you'd have thought he didn't feel the need to, like, throw his weight around anymore if that's what it is. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, either way, yeah. I think that whole system needs a bit of an overhaul. Just a bit. Um, should we should we do some awards? Yeah, driver yeah, of the day. I uh, mean, Norris was fairly deserving in the official one. I think he did. Um, I think I agree with it. I think it's a rare time I agree with the official one. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah, science is a shout as well. Science is a yeah, good shout. I got I got science down, but just because of good time management and. He gained the most places. Uh, I'm, well, I say he gained the most places. One of them was down to the penalties on Perez, but still. Um, Ricardo had a decent drive to gain 
similar number of places. Yeah, but, it's a shame he lost those couple of places towards the end, isn't it? Yeah, I, I mean the the one that stands out for me about Norris is that like his his race pace was literally second best. So without the penalty and and having to chase Bottas and maybe being able to defend Bottas mm. would have led to him being able to hold on to that second place. And his defence against Hamilton early on was like top draw yeah. as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm, so, I'm, I'm all for Norris personally. We agree with the official one. Yeah, almost you, never you know? happens. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I'm just re- I'm recovering. I'm still recovering. From okay. I'm, I'm sort of realising... <laughs> um, move of the day um, oh, I think uh, I think Norris holding off Perez actually I <laughs> even though he got a penalty for it I think it's a legit move I think that was there was nothing wrong with it and I think the way he did it, 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 it because it was kind of a protracted bit of racing it sort of started at turn one where Perez had run wide and tried to get around him, and then he sort of regained the position. Perez, uh, sorry, um, Norris had regained the position from Perez mm. in the run up to turn three, and then by the time they get to turn four, sort of Perez is still going for it, but Norris's staunch defence held the position. I think that whole sequence of um, racing was was awesome. So. Mm-hmm. That's kind of, I guess, like move of the day. Is it one move? No, it's a sequence of racing, but still, like, it's worth a mention. Yeah. Um, I think the one that stood out for me, and it kind of got lost in everything else going on while um, Perez was going off into the gravel trying to pass Norris. Um, Hamilton kind of dipped up the inside of Bottas into turn four and then went around the outside of him into turn five for. Um, would have been third place yeah. at the time. Um, didn't really get much attention at the time because everyone was looking at Perez, rightfully so, but um, that was a good one, I thought. Um, can we... Do you think we should consider Norris passing Hamilton? Because obviously Hamilton had a hobbled car at that point, but it was still a good move regardless. I, I mean... <sighs> Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it's a pass. A pass is a pass, isn't it? A pass is a pass. Yeah, I just know the argument's going to be yeah, but Hamilton's car was broken. Yeah, but you still got to be in the right place and get the move done, haven't you? Regardless of the, I mean, come on, we watched a different context. We watched Danny Ricardo without an MG UK defend his lead in, in Monaco <laughs> yeah, for true. like forty laps or something stupid. <laughs> So you you still gotta you still gotta do the move even if the car in front of you is a little bit hobbled. Yeah, it's true. All right. Well, as you've defended my opinion, I'm gonna nominate Lando. Then. <laughs> I think yeah. Lando is getting this no matter what, isn't he? Like one way or another, he's getting move of the day. Whatever move it's for, it doesn't really matter. He's gonna get it. <laughs> um, Unless um, there was there was the sequence of racing with um, Perez and Leclerc, which I thought was legit as well. Yeah, that was quite fun to watch. Yeah, Paul has said it? Danny Rick took two cars in one corner on the first lap. I genuinely don't remember that. Didn't see that. I'm going to try to watch <laughs> it's it. Now. It's because we only watch the highlights. <laughs> <laughs> was it's it not true? Was it not into turn one? Is that what he's thinking? Oh maybe? yeah, I think it is. In into turn, I know into turn one he went round the outside of a couple of people. Whether he held onto those positions, I'm, I'm not sure, but he definitely. 
He definitely went around the outside of a couple of people. Yeah, I think it was Tim. It must have been turn one. Um, yeah. I'm just going to stick with my original thing and say Norris. <laughs> Should we just give it Norris just cause? Norris then. <laughs> That's, Norris. It's, it's a Norris kind of day. Um, <laughs> and then final award. Honestly, what the f- are we doing here? I mean, so many this week. So yeah, many. quite a few. Hmm. You've got national anthem written down. I didn't actually see yeah. it. Oh my god! I didn't Did see they... it. I had. I was watching on F1 TV and it, they didn't show it on oh, F1 TV. From I what mean, I the first thirty seconds was a bunch of drummers just hitting drums and a woman stood nodding with a guitar behind her back. That I mean that sounds awesome. Why is that a WTF? Because well, it made many of us go WTF. Yeah, is that's that the thing. thing. Yeah. Oh right. Fair this enough. is one of those ones where it's not <laughs> if you, eli- if you elicit thing. an yeah. actual WTF, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, counts. it was like. It was like just really Eurovision. It was just a very Eurovision. <laughs> like, I don't think it was the Austrian Eurovision candidate actually doing. It might have been, yeah, maybe. Maybe. maybe they didn't get through, so like, right, we'll do it at the race. Well, yeah. I mean, like that that intro with the drums just made me think Blue Man Group immediately. Yeah, that was. like, I was like, what is this? This isn't the this is the Austrian anthem. <laughs> and then it's just like, like Blue Man Group, and then just like a lead guitar solo for a minute. <laughs> It was, yeah, so, it was something else. Yeah. Yeah, WTFs don't always have to be bad. They just have to be shocking. Yeah, something that... <laughs> something that you shocked you to your core. <laughs> um, I mean, Norris got a promotion to a Mercedes seat during the driver of the day results. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if anyone saw that. Nothing on the... to do with me. Nothing to do with me. <laughs> That's a good the, one. On the, on the live overlay, basically, when it pops up showing you who's one driver of the day, it showed <laughs> Norris, and it said Norris, but he had like a Mercedes badge behind nice. him, so it was wrong team. Uh, that was a little bit of one. I mean, the whole Kimi Seb situation was, was a bit, what is going on here? It was a bit. I always like it when Seb's involved in one of these because it just like it's it's owed to the jingle, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Like, honestly, yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> honestly. Although on this occasion, honestly, he was like, like nothing to happens. do with it. Was it? It's, it's kind of like he was in, you know, he's kind of managed his own business. He's got it yeah. in his mind. The move's done. Um, there was loads of room on the on the left side of of um, of Seb's car as well. Yeah. So, it just it obviously came out of nowhere for him. They're actually really good mates as well, um, Raikkonen and Sebastian Vettel. It's probably, probably why neither, why neither, neither of them made anything off. off it. Yeah, yeah exactly. Because yeah. they just chill. Um, I mean, Alexia in Discord put forward um, Kimi managing to gain a place because his penalty for that crash was 10 seconds less than Latifi's penalty for not slowing down for the yellow flags, which were ironically from Kimi's crash. <laughs> wow. So because he got less of a penalty than Latifi, he actually gained a position. Uh, Kimi Raikkonen with the 3,000 IQ moves. <laughs> That's it. Oh, we need that meme, the one with the, yeah. the brain the thing. <laughs> no, oh, the, yeah. the, the brains, it's like... Causing a crash. Ca- causing a crash. Causing a crash to like take out a rival. Causing a crash that causes yellow flags that your rivals ignore. Gaining a place. <laughs> 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 That's good. Uh, um, That's just. I mean, the one of those that got the biggest reaction for me was the national anthem. Like, yeah, that was just bafflingly brilliant. Yeah, I will trust you. I, I, I often You'll watch love it. Eurovision with Chris, and he always likes the best tunes. So, I'm <laughs> on this one, you will Even love it, Stu. Honest. Right. Should we move on to some predictions? Yeah. Um, 
So, I mean, for us, it was actually a good week between the three of us, for once. <laughs> Stu managed a five out of five, uh, and Chris and I both managed a three out of five. So, I mean, Verstappen, Verstappen was fairly easy for two points. Um, I got the finishes, and Chris got the Ocon first DNF. And I got everything uh, else. And Stu got everything else. Again, Kimmy, like, just helping you out on the last lap there. Yeah, Big I time. mean, the the, oh the, brilli- the brilliance of that is the fact that he still managed to finish, because if he, he'd have DNF the same of Seb, I'd, I'd have lost a point and you'd be on four points. Yeah. So he helped me out by dragging that car to the finish line as well. <laughs> yeah. So, so it's a shame it, just, it didn't happen a bit different, because I had him as my first DNF. So And see, I knew we'd get involved somehow. Yeah. But um, in terms of listeners, uh, let's have a look. I, I mean, nobody matched just you. Nobody matched you, so you were I know, out, yeah. Out that's out. the crazy thing. Like, I was the only person out of all yeah. the entries. I'm I'm shocked by that. I, people have so, I looked through it earlier, and people have got so little faith in Bottas. That was, that's what happened. Yeah. Mm. I mean, had Lewis been on form, do you think he would have had that position? Or were it not for Norris's penalty, do you think he'd have had that position still? I think without without the Lewis damage, without the penalty, I think it would have been Norris third. No, I think it probably would have been Norris second. Norris would have been second. Norris second, Hamilton With third, Lewis Bottas third. fourth. Yeah. I think me and you are along the right lines, Tom, saying fourth for Bottas, but... Well, we clearly just, weren't, were you? Yeah, no, no, well, we forgot, we forgot <laughs> that all hell tends to break loose at this trip. <laughs> yeah. The points um, don't lie, boys. I mean, the, the vast majority of people who scored four points behind Stu were all wrong on the Bottas thing. There was only one other yeah. person up there with four points that uh, got Bottas in second. That was Kieran Brace. I mean, there are other people in the, further down the list, but that was the highest person of note. Yeah. Um, in terms of the overall standings, um, Nate Everett... Order has been restored. <laughs> <laughs> well, Nate Everett stands top uh, on 20 points, and there's a small group of people behind on 19. That's Alex Kaskov, Rory Clark, and Omla Carney. Uh, so pretty close still at the top uh Stu, you're in 13th with 17 points and then chris and i are tied on uh, in 41st place with 15 yeah. points that is a leap you know i was tied with both you guys yeah last week. yeah in what in, in around 40 it's something and i'm jumped. still close yeah. still very close it's very close ash foster as well worth a mention he's up in the top friend of the show as well friend of the show i Ash Foster. Do you know? Do you know what's really nice? By the way, is there are names that I've seen inside, like say the top yeah. thirty or forty, for a number of seasons. Like I don't know who you are, Hulk Hulkenberg, but you've been <laughs> in like the top yeah. twenty consistently for about three seasons now. Like, yeah, there's there's definitely some people that it's good <laughs> to see regular on there. I'll mention as well, um, other friend of the show, Charlie Barnes, who you will know from giggling at the end of the inbox jingle. He hadn't even. <laughs> properly watched formula one until baku this year because he binge watched drive to survive and then was like this looks all right i'll get into this um yeah. he's joined the predictions league and he's got two out of five for his first two weeks so well done you charlie oh wow that's good going yeah that's really good going. Good. what has he been betting on verstappen surely ah, he must have been i would imagine easy that's four easy points right there <laughs> i'm just but 
you know, you've got to be in it to win it. And you've exactly. got to make the prediction in the first place. We are also officially at a point where more than 500 people have scored at least one point during the course oh, of wow. this season. Oh, wow. Yay! Good work, that's everyone. Good. That's, the first, that's amazing. That's really yeah, amazing. There's, a, because... there's only a very, very small handful that haven't got any points as well. You can do it, like, guys. It's very, very small. There's only like 10, maybe 15 of them. Mm. So keep trying. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah, um, very fun. Yeah, if, if anyone thinks this sounds interesting, by the way, and doesn't really know what we're talking about, head to backofthegrid.com and you can see all the Predictions League stand-ins and the results from all the previous races, get a feel for it and register. And then we'll explain it more next week when we do Silverstone Preview. Yeah, there's going to be... can get involved. It's going to be some explaining to do next week for Predictions, <laughs> I think, given yeah. that changing the race format. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, should we do some inbox? Let's. Keep it saying now. Stay, stay out. Box, box, box. Hey, man. There he is, Mr. Four Points. Hello, Also, another shout out to Charlie. His favorite driver is Pierre Gasly, who he calls Boo Boo from. Bob's Burgers. Bob's Burgers, yeah. You don't know this, Tom, do you? you, you <laughs> no, I did not know that. Did not know so that. You, do you watch Bob's Burgers? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, and have you have if you if I send you an image of Boo Boo, you'll see how much Pierre Gasly looks like. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm already I'm already sort of sat here picturing you. Maybe able to tell from my face. I am sort of thinking he's got, about. He's got it. the same hair. He's like the same yeah. sweeping hair across. It's like emo hair almost. I mean, on on a random but similar note, I've ever told you about who my three year olds niece's favorite driver is no you've got a three-year-old with a niece no a three-year-old <laughs> niece three year oh sorry go on she likes max Verstappen because <laughs> someone put a picture of boo-boo in the chat <laughs> 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 yeah she's she likes max Verstappen. nice um and when i asked why i think it was because he's 33 she just must like the number three apparently so Great he's got two of them so yeah um but he's quite entertaining. Uh, quite entertaining asking her who her favourite driver is because you just get Max Verstappen. <laughs> no, that's cute. <laughs> right, uh, who wants to inbox time. us first? I'll do the first one. I'll inbox you. <laughs> I'll box you in. Um, <clears throat> oh, uh, Udit Kishore says, "Do you think there would be? Do you think there would have been a penalty if Norris or Perez had pushed the other driver?" Off the track in inverted commas, but onto tarmac runoff area instead of gravel. Onto a tarmac runoff area instead of gravel. I, no, I, I don't. No, no, I don't uh, think they would. Not at either. all. No. Ridiculous, um, isn't it? Kind of touched on it earlier, but I genuinely do think that that is exactly what would have happened. There would have been no further action because that's exactly what happened at turn one countless times. Yeah, which begs the question: Should penalties be taken into account the surface that? the ground is yeah. made of next to yeah. the track not yeah. even on the track next to it i mean you you've got two options haven't you it, it, you either make the corners consistent around the circuit either like they're all sort of graveled with the same amount of runoff or they're all tarmac with the same amount of runoff or you have to stop considering that in part of the penalties yeah there's you're never going to get consistency track to track because that's just the nature of going to different tracks but you can try and have consistency in how you apply the rules to different situations. Yeah. Mm. They're, they're, they're kind of... 
they're in an, in an unwinnable position on this one, I think, really. Because yeah. I think if it, was, if it was the other way around and all the circuits were the same, which is obviously never going to happen, then if someone did an overtake and it was off the track, I guess like the way of looking at it is if there was tarmac there and Perez had made the overtake and he'd crossed the white line to do the overtake and got around him, would Perez have got a penalty? And well, would Perez have had to have given the penal- the place back? Yeah, probably. That's the question. He probably would have had to give the place back. So therefore, mm. why should the whoever the driver, it was Norris who'd driven him off, but whoever is in that situation, why should they get a penalty when that driver has put their car off the track? Their own yeah. car off the track. That's the well, way. Well, it's I'd like it. goes back to the um, the Austrian Grand Prix two or three years ago when Verstappen chased down Leclerc at the end and basically overtook him by just pushing him off the road at turn three. And yeah. there was a debate then whether that deserved a penalty or not. And but then, well, like, look at if, the, if, the first, was... first race of the season, um, Verstappen, yeah, at Bahrain mm-hmm. overtook Lewis Hamilton off the track. Gave the position back because we weren't yeah. getting a penalty. If there'd been tarmac there, he wouldn't. Uh, sorry, if he'd be if there'd been gravel there, would Hamilton have got a penalty for pushing him off the track? Well, if there'd have been gravel there, I don't think Verstappen would have tried that, and yeah. vice versa. I think if there'd been tarmac on the outside of turn four this weekend, just gone, Perez would probably be more within his. We'd, we'd have forgiven him for trying that move. Like when you can run wide off corner and get away with it, yeah, of course you're going to try something a bit more ambitious, but. It's kind of on you as the driver doing the overtake to be like, hang on, if I get this wrong, there's a gravel trap there. Let's choose my battles, try again next lap sort of thing. Exactly. Stupid, stupid penalty. It's just completely unreasonable. Shouldn't have been a penalty. And has kind of overshadowed what was a pretty decent race, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Which is a shame that we've spent most of it talking about penalties, (laughs) but it's been that kind of week. Yeah. Uh, next, Wesley says Williams, or at least George, did well in Austria and has been on the upswing. Is Silverstone a track that will allow them to keep that momentum? Are the fates just ensuring that George scores his first points in front of a home crowd? <clears throat> I mean, um, I want to believe in that fate. <laughs> <laughs> I want to. My, my gut a, says that Silverstone's not going to suit Williams. It's a windy old place, isn't it? They don't like wind. <laughs> Having been it's there many times, place. I can confirm it can be extremely windy at Silverstone. Yeah. <laughs> we we took a flag there, in fact, once and found out exactly how windy it was. Yeah, just how windy yeah. it can be. We also yeah. almost poked a fan's eye out with the flag. Well, I yeah. did. <laughs> yeah, yeah, less <laughs> of the we, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> um... Yeah, yeah I, not I, how you get people to listen to your podcast. You don't need your eyes. You only <laughs> you need use your ears for a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I've got a feeling Williams are going to struggle this weekend, unfortunately. Mm. Yeah, I guess I, I guess it'll show whether it's a circuit dependent upturn in form for for yeah. George. Like if he stays consistently on the cusp of the top 10 again, then you would say that whatever they've been doing with the car and his form hand in hand, it just, it's a general improvement. It's not just like say the thinner air suiting the aero package better or, or whatever it might've been in Austria. Cause there's an argument for that, isn't there? That we, We've talked before about how the thinner air can help in like different ways from yeah. either a power unit perspective 
or from an aero perspective. So it'd be interesting to see what the they're like back at sea level, more mm. or less. Yeah. Yeah. So. I don't I don't think you get more sea level than Silverstone, actually. I think it is basically at so yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty close I think if it's not. Sochi is probably one of the few tracks that's lower than it, because that's literally yeah. I guess Zandvoort will be as well, because that's basically on the beach. Yeah, that's on the beach as well. I mean the old wind's probably gonna make a difference to Williams, so yeah, like as I was saying, it's a windy place, so Williams are not going to like it. Um, Michelle says, why do we never hear talk about how Nicholas Latifi isn't doing great? Is it because he's in a Williams, which just shows how superhuman George is, or because he ain't going anywhere because of his sponsorship money? Uh, obviously, the car does have potential with a great driver. Will Williams ever go looking? Well, I think the, it's an interesting one. I think. You, you don't hear about how great he's doing because he's not doing great. Yeah, he's yeah, but we don't also hear about how like we don't. You don't hear a lot of talk of like does Latifi really deserve his seat? He doesn't he's get doing the same. Yeah. you don't. Like, you don't. You don't hear the critique like strolls. He doesn't yeah. do terribly. Yeah. yeah. Well, the thing is, it's it's always been easy to measure how well, well Stroll is or isn't doing, whereas Latifi's just only ever been in the car that everyone expects to be. Or in previous years, everyone expected to be last, whereas this year, Russell is proving that you can do more with that car. Yeah. Um, I think he's definitely getting shown up a lot more this year. Than he, he is. Yeah. And I guess it depends if the new owners there think they still need that, um, that Latifi money coming in. The sweet yeah. Lavazza money. Um, yeah, Lavazza coffee money. Yeah. I mean, if I were there, send us coffee. Send us <laughs> coffee. If 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 I were Williams, especially if Russell does leave, as we expect, like obviously they've been having um, Roy Nassani doing a few FP ones for them. Nope. But <clears throat> no, I don't think he's ready, and I don't think having no. Latifi and a rookie in the team is what you want. I don't know what if you were if you're in charge of the drivers at Williams and Russell was leaving, what would you guys do? I mean, tap up Red Bull, tap up Red Bull. See if you want to put one of those guys, one of their young drivers, in your seat. They've got a few. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Ferrari as well. They've got a few. Mercedes have even got a few. Yeah, Yuri Vips. Yeah, Vips is Red Bull. Um, Alpine are also are going to be very desperate for a place to put um, Guan Yu Zhou in the next year or two. I'd be having, yeah. having to work with Alpine. Yeah, I think, I think Williams are poised to become a bit of a Alpha Tauri for me. I think that they're getting Maybe. there. They're starting to sort of show signs of getting there with the car yeah. development. I mean, and next season it's a new formula, so there's a big reset, and they're gonna have a lot more wind tunnel time. So they'll probably move a little bit further forward that way. Yeah, provided I they feel can like, get the money together. I feel like Mercedes have always had the opportunity to like use Williams as a proper junior team for them and I've never fully like leaned into it in the way that kind of <clears throat> Red Bull have with Alfa Terry or the way that Ferrari have with Alfa Romeo yeah. so maybe it looking elsewhere also, would do them well depends how much Bottas wants to stay in Formula 1 yeah that's a good point because if he loses Mercedes seat Williams is basically the only place he'll have to go won't yeah. it I don't think he'd go for it. I think he'd go and do something else. Yeah. I, th I think the only other place Bottas could potentially land is if Raikkonen calls it a day and Alfa Romeo yeah. still want an experienced yeah. guy in one of their seats. 
Yeah. That's the only other option I can see for him, really. Yeah. Because um, I'd always expected him to end up at Renault, um, like when we've been talking about whether he'll leave Mercedes in recent years, but they're obviously pretty, pretty That's not looking likely. Yeah. And they've, they've got, I mean, they're two of their junior drivers from an Alpine perspective are the top two in the F2 at the minute. Exactly. Yeah. You've got, you've got Joe and you've got Piastri. Yes. That one and two. And they're both Alpine Academy drivers. Do you know, the only thing, I mean, I don't know if it'll ever come to anything or not, but there is one person at the minute that's in that Williams Academy who's doing okay in F2, and that's Dan Tictum. And it pains me to say it, but I can yeah. see that they might start leaning towards him. Possibly. He'd certainly be a cheap option for them. Mm. What's that, the office meme? No, please, no, God, no. <laughs> no, God, no, no. <laughs> um, I think if I think if Williams go for the two young drivers route, they'll be... I'd be really disappointed to see that. that their ambition should be higher than that. Mm. If they yeah. genuinely... Well, I mean, we've, really, we've seen before that it doesn't work for them, does yeah, it? Yeah, if they really want to be fighting in the midfield, which is where they seem to be on the trajectory to go right now, they need better more experienced drivers than that yeah. Um, and yeah as Alexia pointed out Callum Eilat is in the mix for Alfa Romeo as well and they seem to be seriously considering him I wonder if that's as a replacement yeah. for Giovinazzi or whether that's a replacement for Kimi mm. yeah I don't know it's a, it's a bit it's a that's a big old question that one isn't it should we do the next one yeah yeah um, Project F1 says Alonso's race was screwed from Saturday. Analysis showed he could have been. Sorry, analysis I did showed he could have been at least six spots higher. Vettel took a penalty, but both Leclerc and Bottas had an influence on the traffic in Q2. Does the FIA's response risk more slowing down shambles? Shambles keen for your thoughts. So he wants to know if slowing down in qualifying is becoming an issue. It was weird, that wasn't it? Like. I, th- I think Vettel was a bit hard done by there. Like, yes, he happened to be the one that was in the way, but that was kind of only his resource for concertina of lots of cars slowing down. Yeah, I mean, v- Vettel's opinion on the matter was that um, he was forced into the situation he was in because people were overtaking him to set their laps despite what we keep hearing is this, like, agreement between the drivers that you know you you do your laps in the the order that you are on track there's clearly not an agreement given, is there yeah and everyone's supposed there's to give no each agreement. other that bit of respect but they aren't they're overtaking each other to set hot laps yeah. and, no gentleman in a gentleman's agreement lads <laughs> and the, the, i guess the question would be is like is there any particular culprits that are consistently doing that and if so like i mean is the drivers that need to sort that out between themselves, isn't it? They either just need to do their laps or yeah, just do your like, lap. There's a simple solution. It. There's a simple solution. Yeah. Go out when there's no traffic. They're all trying to. They're all trying to get toes off each other. That was the problem. Yeah. They weren't. It was the team's fault. It's nothing to do with an individual driver or an individual team. They're all up to the same tricks. The, that's the simple it, isn't it? thing like, is, if you want to set a lap, go out and set a lap when there's space on the track. Don't wait for everyone to go out and then go out and try mm. and nick. nick you know, try and be cute and nick a toe from him. 
Yeah, like these are supposed to be the best drivers in the world and the best teams yeah. in the world that should be able to not get in each other's way. So here's my yeah. ultimate harsh response. Make a better car and go out before anyone else and be fastest. Yeah. Yeah. Don't you, you shouldn't have to well this is the thing, isn't it? Like as soon as one car gets a better lap time for getting a toe, that's all anyone else is gonna to want to do. And it's like Yeah, it's 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 all very silly. Yeah, I don't. I just don't have any time for it. I don't no, have any it's... time for the waiting. I can't. You know, it's going to be if it's this bad here, and it was bad for for Austria. It was quite bad. Italy, Monza is going to be. <laughs> oh, it's going to be a hot mess. I mean, this last few years, that, it's been ridiculous. Yeah, so that, that's the worst place for it every season, anyway. So get it ready was, for um, that. It was actually quite refreshing watching W Series qualifying because I think it was a half hour session, and they all just basically went out on full enough tanks to drive around for half an hour and just pounded round and put laps in and everyone just gradually yeah. got quicker throughout the session. There was none of this, oh, everyone only does two runs and shenanigans. Like as much as I like the current qualifying format, format, there was something refreshing about just there's 20 cars out there pounding around putting laps mm. in and that was that was your qualifying session. Mm. You could maybe give them more tyres. You could potentially give them another set of tyres and then they'd have That would probably help. That would definitely well, help, in fact. Do you really want to make more tyres? Yeah, you, you're then falling into your anti-cost-saving exactly, yeah. things, aren't you? Yeah. So Next one. Next one. Ryan F1 says, this race was great fun with stuff happening all the time across the track, but I saw some people saying it was super boring. In your opinion, what, what makes a good race? And he's not wrong. Uh, I saw a lot of people saying this was a dual race, which I don't really... really yeah. There's, I mean... If all you're doing is watching Verstappen's on board, then yeah, probably. <laughs> like you're just watching yeah, I mean, him lap that'd people. That's pretty boring. Yeah. That's pretty boring. <laughs> Maybe they're on F1 but... TV and it accidentally just left it on the onboard channel. Yeah. <laughs> not even on the they're on like the data channel. Yeah. <laughs> the data channel's not very action packed, guys. You need to watch just, it on like the just main a graph. Thing. I thought it was just supposed to be hard racing. <laughs> you know what? I actually love the data channel. Like, it's my <laughs> favourite. Well, like, data. Some, there's been times when I've watched the data channel more than I've watched the live action <laughs> on the thing. I'm not even kidding. Maybe they're accidentally watching the Styrian Grand Prix on repeat instead of the Austrian Grand Prix. <laughs> and because it's the same circuit, didn't realise. I think it was maybe... This race maybe didn't look quite as good as it would have done in previous years because we've had so many like really good races this year. So by comparison, it wasn't as good. But I don't think it was a bad race. Yeah. I, I, I think if, you, if you're calling that a boring race, you're watching the wrong sport. I don't think, <laughs> yeah. any, I don't think any race can be... I don't think I don't think anyone can call that boring. Like there was so no. much going on, there were so many overtakes. They actually made a really good effort for once, for once of showing the overtakes. Yeah, be that actually. on the on the mini screen or in the main feed. Like they were usually they were pretty pretty much on point for most of the action. I Obviously, it. you can't catch all the action, but. That's what the YouTube channel's for. I can't remember who it was um, during the race on the Discord. It was like, overtakes always look so much more dramatic when they're in the little mini picture-in-picture screen because like yeah, all, of, all of the margins look that much smaller because it's in a tiny little screen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh my um, God, there's yeah. one pixel between their tyres. <laughs> <laughs> now the tyres are sharing the same pixel, my God. Um, to, to briefly answer the second part of that question, um, in, in our opinion, what makes a good race? Um, I mean, it's, it's a combination of this isn't it? race. Like, what, just watch it's, this race. This, <laughs> it's close. This makes good strategy. Yeah, it's it's not knowing what the result's going to be. Basically, 
Like yeah. the the harder it is to predict what the finished order is going to be, generally the more exciting yeah. it is. Part yeah. of the enjoyment of watching Formula One for me is trying to predict who is going to win, yeah, or who or, or what the not necessarily who's going to win, but what the results are going to be I, through the. Field. I think the the line you've just said there, where you corrected yourself, that I think is maybe the problem. The problem that too many people have is. If you yeah. can't, if you know who's going to win it, apparently the other nineteen positions don't matter because mm. it doesn't matter yeah. if it's Max like it has been this season, Lewis in other seasons, whatever. Basically, if you kind of know roughly who's going to win, or you you're pretty certain who's going to win, apparently the rest of the grid doesn't matter. And I've I've never yeah. ever been a fan of that. Yeah, I will. I, you know thing. what? I will. St- I'll stick my neck out right now and say. If you're watching a Formula One race and you think it's boring because you know who's going to win, then you're not doing it right. You're not, yeah, you're not enjoying yeah. it for 100%. everything it can be. No. And you know what? I'm on the chopping block and you can you can chop at me all you want. I don't I'd, care. Like, that, I would that. like to think that the majority of people that listen to, listen to us are already of the same belief as us, that yeah, there's yeah. plenty of racing going up and down the I grid. So. Like, I'm not saying that every race is exciting because, yeah, there are some boring races, but... There's, there's no way you can get away with calling this weekend's race boring. No it's, way. It's it's like a slight tangent, but I always find it really strange. Like, um, whenever I'm looking at our Twitter account, like the amount of people who are just like, I am a hardcore fan of this team or this driver, and my enjoyment God, of the race just depends on how well they do or do not do. It's like I've never, like as much as I've always had favorite drivers and teams throughout the years, like I've always just been a fan of watching the Good race racing. first and yeah. foremost. Um, yeah, I watch anything race. We, we've said yeah. this before. I, we've I, talked honestly, about this a lot. I'd, I'd watch a snail race <laughs> when <laughs> when me and Stu were at. I think it was the first Formula E race they had in London. Me and Stu were at, or possibly the second one. And me and Stu in the gap between sessions literally stood and watched two remote control cars racing around a <laughs> mini track. And then about five minutes later, we were like. What are we doing? We're here at a racetrack <laughs> to watch Formula E cars. We're watching two remote I mean, control cars. Have Have either of you? I can't remember if you two were with me or not, but there is definitely a place I've been where they brought. Um, you know when they bring out the road sweepers to clear the track between sessions, <laughs> and, literally, and I'm not. I'm, no word of a lie. No word of a lie. Two road sweepers, like one doing each curb line, like one doing each edge of the circuit. And people like people were cheering people cheer. them going into yeah, the corner, yeah, going head yeah, to yeah. head, yeah, and like it's just—I mean, I know there's an irony to that, but like that is like just true racing fans that just love motorsport, like through and through. That to me is that they'll watch two two road sweepers go into a corner neck and neck and cheer when one comes out in front of the other. Yeah. Like it's amazing. I, I've been on YouTube and watched those ran. You know when when people make like a sand track for marble. Oh yeah, the marble yes. races. Yeah, yeah, that's that's actually Bit. really compelling. Fifty percent <laughs> of my Twitch streaming career used to be just digital marbles racing each other. I'm not even messing. <laughs> it's, it's insane. It's insane. <laughs> Man. All right, we're we're way off now. We're so digressing. Do you know? Do you know how many subscribers that main channel has got that does the marble racing? One point, on. uh, 1.34 million subscribers yeah. on a channel wow. that just shows marble racing. <laughs> That's wild. We're in the wrong you know game, point, actually. While we're getting on really sort of niche YouTube tastes, um, domino falling as well, domino Ooh. sets. Have you, have you ever seen popsicle stick things? Like, so they're like what? dominoes. Oh, just, <laughs> just, 
<laughs> I can't even describe it. I'll talk about it some other time. But popsicle sticks with like a little like sort of firecracker <laughs> on the end. Everyone who listens to this podcast is now feverishly googling popsicle, <laughs> popsicle stick. It's a, it's like YouTube a popsicle channels. stick domino thing, and it has like a little firecracker in the end. And the way it goes off, it sort of causes this huge spiral, but they go like up in the air because they're overlaid on each other, and it just okay, like yeah, I want to see this. Oh wow! It's just like will, mouse traps overlaid on each other. Th- those those in the Discord will be lucky enough because I will go find the video <laughs> I've seen and I will put it in Discord. If if that doesn't make <laughs> you want to be a Patreon, I don't know what does. Alexis like yes, marble racing. <laughs> it's exploded in the first lockdown. Actually, oh, it did. In, in the first lockdown. When when the Formula E season got postponed, the the that channel that does the main like the, the most popular marble racing channel, they actually um, did an official Formula E motor like marble racing series, and it was like all officially branded with Formula E stuff, and they had like all the teams represented <laughs> with different colors. That is hectic. That's so cool. It's mad. Yeah. Um, I'm going to read the next inbox now. Yeah. And then you can go looking for your video. <laughs> uh, Callum says, is it just me or does Austria really allow these cars to follow each other well? Maybe F1's close racing problem is as much one of circuit design and layout as it is of aero. Do you think we'll ever see changes to modern circuits to a, a, or more follow-friendly layouts uh, use at the ones with flexibility to do so? Well, we kind of are, aren't we? Like Abu Dhabi is actually finally making some changes that look yeah. like they're going to be positive. Um, yeah. That new circuit that's going to be hosting the Russian Grand Prix in a couple of years' time, they've actually, since we last talked about it, they've announced they're making some changes to that circuit ahead of F1 being there. Um, Zandvoort did as well. So yeah. it actually does seem to be happening these days. Um, I guess it makes sense because it's like kind of... If you want an F1 circuit, then you've got to make your circuit. If you, so if you want an F1 race at your circuit, then you better make your circuit friendly for Formula 1. Yeah. I'll, I'll play sort of my theory on this, which is thin air, high altitude means less aero restriction in terms of like less, less impact on following a car because the air's thinner anyway. So you've got less turbulent air behind the car ahead of you causing you less of an issue. However, cars next season move more towards ground-based aero, meaning that would be less of a problem anyway, a.k.a. this demonstrates why the new aero regs will, should be good. Mm-hmm. Basically relying less on that yeah. wing-based aero and more on the ground-based aero, and you've got far less wing-based aero in a high altitude like Austria. I can, is yeah, what I'm I trying to get at, I guess. I do also think, though, that people who design circuits, like, it's, it's, there's always certain circuits that year on year tend to give us good racing. And I don't believe it's not possible for circuit designers to, like, go and look at, like, these are the circuits that generate good racing. There must be something, like, mathematically to the way the corners flow that generates good racing and use that as, like, a blueprint to make a good circuit. Yeah, and I mean, as Formula One fans, making these kind of demands of circuits is also highly selfish because people forget that Formula One aren't the only thing that run on these circuits. And plenty of other series run on these circuits and have amazing racing that Formula One doesn't. So it either needs to be Formula One suit, uh, find circuits that suit them better, or we change things like aero and so on that that cause it to 
to have a better outcome. But, I mean, I feel like it's unfair on just blaming circuits when other series race there perfectly well. I mean, I will say possibly controversially, like Silverstone's an amazing track to watch F1. Not many other things have brilliant racing at Silverstone. Like, and anything that's not aero yeah, independent that's flipped, is actually it? not that good at Silverstone. But that, that, I think the, the advantage Silverstone have got there is that they know they're going to get Formula One. Well, exactly, yeah. A hundred percent of the time, yeah. forever. That that's oh, a man. place that's everything they do there is with F one on the front semis, and everything else comes second. Yeah. But th- other tracks can't necessarily do that, I suppose. I think one of the things as well is like if if you ever get an opportunity to to go watch Formula One cars at Silverstone, like as a as a UK based person, I guess, because you can't or see anyone, other places really. in the world. Well, yeah, but what I was thinking is like there's this even if you go on like a a Friday when it's just practice and get like cheap Friday only tickets to actually see the change of direction at things like the end of Hangar Straight and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like it really helps. It really, if you've never seen a Formula One car live, that's the kind of place where you can suddenly see this amazing change of direction that you never see in any other, any other kind of motorsport really. And I would implore anyone that has the opportunity to go to a circuit. I mean, Cota's probably pretty good for it in America, Mm -hmm. like in Texas, because Mm, you've got that little bit in sector one that kind of is similar to Maggots and Beckett's with the sweeping left, right, left kind of section. Yeah. The thing with Maggots and Beckett's though is like, if you're on the inside side of the entrance to that complex, you're so close to the apex. Yeah. And then you see like, as they flick the next left hander, you're looking directly the back of the car and the change of direction there. Like there's not many more places in the world that are as good to see an F1 car, I don't think. You see them before you hear them. If you stand close enough to the apex there. In fact, you don't even hear these days, you you barely hear the engine because you're so close that they're displacing so much air that Mm. you actually hear the whoosh of the air before you hear any, because obviously all the sound from the engine comes from the back anyway. So it's a really bizarre thing because it's like a whoosh and then you hear yeah the exhaust noise yeah. after that it's a really really weird sensation and then you you, you see the car come and then you hear the watch <laughs> then you think it's just amazing it's it yeah. yeah. really is amazing and i don't know if that really answered the question did it <laughs> <laughs> i don't I know no what idea. we're talking about um, <laughs> oh we're talking about circuits to end on a slightly sour oh, yeah. note though if you do have the chance to go and watch that at silverstone do it sooner rather than later because they may well be ruining it in a few years time hopefully not <laughs> Hopefully not, but there are plans in place that may well ruin one of the best places in the world to watch F1 cars. At the rate they've been selling up real estate around Mm -hmm. the circuit. Um, Next question then. Stephen Barlow um, asks, with the latest lockdown in Australia and my family living out there saying that we can't go out again at Christmas and hearing it could be mid-2022, do you think the Australian GP will be cancelled soon? Could mean another doubleheader. Hello everyone, Editing Desk Chris here. At this point in the recording we had a nice long discussion about the Australian Grand Prix and whether we thought it would go ahead and all came to the conclusion that it would be several months before we heard anything definitive. And then in true back of the grid style we woke up this morning to find out that the Australian Grand Prix had already been cancelled. So I'll spare you that pointless conversation and skip you forward to something hopefully slightly more interesting. Well, I mean, we're looking at a capacity crowd for Silverstone, are we not? Yeah. Are we, though? I mean, they're claiming that they will let anyone with tickets already in and will sell more tickets. 
As part like, of a government trial or whatever is they're calling it, which yeah. concerns me. <laughs> government trial of how many people can can we get in one place at one time? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'm going to hazard a guess here, as many as you could before. Yeah. Can you do that safely? Probably not. That's, if, that's you're, uh, if you're listening and you're going to Silverstone, uh, have a great time, but please stay safe. Cause, yeah. yeah, have a great time. We won't see you there. <laughs> if, if you want to take a back of the grid flag because none of us are going, get in touch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If you're going to Silverstone and want to wave a flag all weekend, let me know. We need to get a new flag. We need to get a new flag. For the new we need, yeah, we need a new flag, actually, because the old one's got the old logo on it. It's, like, mem- it's like legacy memorabilia now, that old flag. <laughs> I've still got the pole as well. I've still got the flag and the pole at mine. <laughs> they, they, they survived the move. Good. Uh, should we do the next one? <laughs> Last question, because we've been all over the place today. Uh, Alexia says, you're currently a driver who's fighting for the championship. You've just signed a new contract with your team who's given you free reign of who your teammate will be for the next year. Who are you picking as your teammate and why? <laughs> Out of well, anyone. Just anyone. That's yeah. hard. Anyone on the grid or anyone, anyone? Yeah, anyone, that's, anyone. that's the question. Is it anyone, anyone? anyone? I'd have Chris, man. (laughs) (laughs) That'd be banter. That'd be so fun. Yeah, but you'd end up like you'd end up like Lewis and Rosberg. No, you'd end up each other. You'd end up like (laughs) Hamilton and Latifi. Thanks, I, th- I think it, it depends on which way he's going with that. It depends on if he's calling you <laughs> Hamilton or Latifi. No, yeah. the, the question presupposes you're fighting for a championship, so you can guess which way around we are. <laughs> I don't know. You're quicker than me. You know, Cart, you're quicker than me. Um, I think. I, see, I, I think you want someone. If, if Hamilton was answering that question, he'd probably want Bottas because he's quick enough to be a wingman, yeah, but not quick enough to, to challenge him. Yeah. yeah. I actually think Bottas might be the right answer. <laughs> <laughs> it depends how good you are. I mean, I don't know. If you fire for a championship, you want someone who's going to be there or thereabouts, but not good enough to yeah. regularly. You want a wingman. You. you do want a wingman. You want Perez or a Bottas yeah, Perez or Perez. Bottas. Yeah. Hulkenberg, Nico Hulkenberg would be a good one. Gasly. No, he's too young and hungry, actually. Yeah, not Gasly. Sonoda, though. Sonoda's young enough that he's, he'd make a hash of things enough, but probably. Put I'd be too afraid of him so. taking me out. <laughs> yeah. Definitely not Schumacher. Definitely not Mazapan. Um, I'm just going to stick with Chris. I'm going to have Chris as my teammate. Oh, thanks. Who are you having, Tom? Or Tom. Or so either. I'll have to Chris or Tom. Um, to go on like a similar vibe, I'd just pick like Ollie Rowland because he's a northerner. I can have like northern pride in my team. Team North. And and plus, I think that he deserves oh, a shot the... in an F1 car because he's or, he's a solid driver. He is, yeah. The War, the war of the Roses. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, as ever, I would like to say thank you to all of our patrons, but in particular, we have a handful of team principals uh, who are Dustin Janos, uh, Narayan Hamari, Alexia Jarvis, Mark McNeil, and Wesley Paul. If you're interested in getting involved through Patreon, you can just head to patreon.com slash back of the grid. Um, all of our tiers give you access to our Discord, which allows you to listen live and interact with the show. And we also talk absolute nonsense <laughs> during the week. Um, and sometimes even during race weekends, to be fair. So definitely worth getting involved if you feel like doing so. Um, 
That is it for this week. If you'd like to follow us on social media in the meantime, you can find us just by searching for Back of the Grid F1 on Twitter or just type Back of the Grid into Facebook. You can find us there as well. Or as we mentioned earlier, you can head to backofthegrid.com where there's a contact us form to get in touch with us that way if you don't do social media. Uh, thank you very much for joining us for this episode and we will see you next week to preview Silverstone. Goodbye, everybody. Bye. Bye.